0: (音声) Let's go. 1-5 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between. This is the Fifty Fifty Podcast, powered by National Scouting Report. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The Fifty Fifty Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go. It's another edition of the 50-50 podcast, powered by our proud partners, NS, NSR National Scouting Report. They are the world's leading authority on all athletic recruiting. They are the originator, the one that first entered and started the high school student-athlete marketing service. You can get more information. You can find them on socials, on X or Twitter, if we still want to call it that, at NSRNow, as well as on Instagram at NSRNow, as well as on their website at NSR-Inc com. All right, my uh, my next guest. He is a uh, long, uh, long time colleague. Right, we go back what probably about six years. Right, where I first met him, we actually had, uh, I believe, Coach. If I'm not mistaken, I think we might have gone through the last official uh, national course of uh, the what was then the NSEAA, the National Soccer Coaches Association, back in 2017. Which later rebranded uh, less than a month later as what we know now as United Soccer Coaches mm-hmm. is the head women's soccer coach of Eastern Illinois University Panthers, Coach Dirk Bennett. Coach, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Hector? Hey, man, I'm great. Uh, anytime I can, anytime I can be around friends, other fellow college coaches as well, and get to catch up a little bit as well, it's always a good day. Uh, you know, fresh off, uh, fresh off our time down in <clears throat> down in beautiful Galveston at Moody Gardens for the 2023 texas high school soccer coaches convention the tasco convention and had a lot of great conversations and looking forward to continuing it with you here today
1: awesome man! thanks for having me
0: absolutely so coach what's uh what's going on what's new tell us uh, tell us what's what's the latest yeah i mean so right now you got the the instill tournament still going on
1: for the women's game and that's obviously exciting to watch you know we we had our season that that came and went and and did some things and Now it's that awkward time for coaches where you don't know what to do with yourself. And it's like, we got the holidays, there's still recruiting to be done. You know, I'm at the office right now just trying to find things to keep myself occupied with. So yeah, it's good times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and that's a great point. It's a great, you know, what, what immediately happens, give us a little bit insight from, from maybe from your perspective, your coaching staff, maybe what's the standard there, there at Eastern Illinois, what do you immediately do? Is it like a mad dash to, you know, turn in equipment, exit, you know, end of season exit interviews kind of thing? Uh, or how does that work from, from y'all's perspective? Yeah, you know, we go home and sit in the dark and, and just deal with our emotions and, and yeah, no, I mean,
1: all those things. I, I think that, you know, right away you, know, you have to give a week off with the uh, NCAA. So that that's, I think, well-earned and, and needed for both players and staff. But for us, you know, pretty quickly after that, just get the team together, give them a, a game plan for maybe the next you know, X amount of weeks that they have, because for the kids, in addition to soccer, they've got, they've got class, they've got life, they get got a lot of things going on in the holidays. So for us, we've got a couple of weeks in which we can sort of get together. And, you know, for me, I don't want to put too much on them. Um, you know, we're not trying to meet every single day and train like you are in season. In fact, you can't do that, but for us, it's still important to, to get them back in the gym at least and to make sure physically we're, we're still bridging that gap until the next season. And, and also for us to still, still get together and play a little bit, just to enjoy the game, make sure that mm-hmm. soccer is still a part of their daily lives in some fashion. Um, and then, obviously, like you said, some some housekeeping stuff, meeting with everybody, you know, checking for understanding, see how they feel about uh, about their place in the team. Yep.
0: So you mentioned the um, the in the Division One, the D One NCAA Women's Soccer Tournament, which I've been all over. I've been watching it like crazy as mm-hmm. well. Some phenomenal matchups, some great upsets there along the way uh and then coming off of a bunch of we're now sitting at our quarterfinal right the quarterfinal round next to elite eight after last night's uh matches thoughts takeaways what stands out to you
1: there's a lot man i've been watching as much as i can and and i had to miss most of yesterday unfortunately because i was driving back uh from an event myself but i did get to catch um the, the Memphis and pit game, which was a lot of fun to watch. So yeah, yeah, there's just so many good teams. I think that the game is growing and, and you know, it's the first round I was watching a lot of games and it, I think everybody, even the, the seated teams uh, and the non-seeded teams, it's a bit nervy that first round, no one wants to go out right away, but as it, as the tournament progresses, I mean, there's just a lot of good soccer uh, probably better than it gets credit for in, in some ways. And just watching some of those teams, you know, I was really following Georgia a lot. They got knocked out yesterday, but I thought they were a lot of fun to watch. And Pitt, they had a, a pretty resounding win last night. And some of the teams out west, like BYU and Stanford, are just so, so dangerous going forward. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I, I think it's just a really exciting tournament. Um, it's one that I'm following pretty closely too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you mentioned um, you mentioned Pitt, right? And uh, Coach Randy Waldrum, our fellow <laughs> uh, multi-50-50 podcast alum, right? <laughs> yeah. times and, uh, yeah, I mean, is there anybody having maybe a better season overall, just a better 2023 than him mm-hmm. after, you know, fresh off of what he did in um, in Australia, Australia New Zealand with the Women's World Cup yeah. with, uh, as the head head coach of the uh, Nigerian women's national team? And then now what he's doing, you know, he's they're making history at Pitt. Yeah. To, I mean, he's, he's from, a veteran, man.
1: He goes way back and he was coaching, I mean, long time ago coaching Notre Dame as well. And just like he's a legend for a reason and to see – and take over a team in pit that, you know, maybe wasn't having their best time uh, of
0: things. And then in a couple of years, look mm-hmm. at them now, you know, final eight and, and deservedly. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Now, he'll be the first to tell you, I didn't realize this until when I started having conversations, the first time I had him on, right. Started doing a little bit more yeah. research on pit and yeah, he'll be the first to tell you, like they were historically not on the women's side. They were historically bad, right? They were, I just didn't realize how very little success they had had mm-hmm. in the history of their program. Right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So he arrives and that has, it's been probably about a what four year plan or so, right? Mm-hmm. Five year plan. But I mean, they're, they're fun to watch. They're phenomenal yeah. to watch how they, how they were a seventh seed is beyond me, That's- but, uh but yeah, but he's taking full advantage of that though. So.
1: No, and the ACC, I think they had what, uh nine teams to start with and then seven are still alive, you know, and so maybe the, the seating is always a lot of fun to debate with and see, you know, which teams, you know, obviously get, get in and get left out. But I think his conference, just to, to echo your point, to come in and yeah, Pitt is still an ACC team. They have a lot going for him, but then you're still up against the arguably the best teams in the country. And then yeah. to go up against them and to do as well as they have in that short amount of time, that says a lot about, uh, about him as a coach, I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And now, and next up, right. Their prizes uh, in the quarterfinal is what many regard as the best team in the country, right. In, in Florida state, a fellow ACC squad, a team that, you know, they've seen now, I think twice this year. Right. <clears throat> so team that also knocked them out of the NCAA tournament in the sweet 16 last year. So um, if there's any game to watch, any game to keep your eye on, right. Anybody that could match up very well with an extremely talented Florida state squad, I think it's this – I mean, they're, they've they got to be outside of Florida State, maybe the hottest team in the country. You, you could have made that argument for maybe Texas, but we saw how it went for Texas yesterday with Florida State. It's, um, so, yeah. so um, It's
1: all about know. matchups at that point, you know, and I think that even, for example, like Florida State, they're an excellent team, but it's it's hard to beat anybody three times. It's really hard, and I know that Randy will have a plan for them.
0: Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, with Florida – what has me intrigued about this matchup between – between Pitt and Florida state in particular is I think getting Florida state and you know, what is, what, what, what's that? The, uh, the second round, third round that we just saw, which was a, a Friday, either a Thursday, Saturday or Friday, Sunday format, right. Is getting Florida state in that second game in terms of the depth of some of these teams, that's hard, right? That's tough. Pitt now gets a whole week, right? They get a whole week to get ready for them, so maybe that's you. But then again, you can make that argument. Florida State gets a whole week as well, so so yeah. So, so interesting, uh, interesting matchup. Um, Yeah, I mean, my other kind of dark horses, if you will, that I had pegged. You know, they're out. uh, Mississippi Mississippi State. Pitt was one. Mississippi Mm -hmm. State was another. Um, Kind of had a close eye on Georgia, which I thought. Yeah. Felt bad. I felt bad for Georgia in that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, and then Arkansas. Of course, Arkansas is out as well. So, of the matches you've seen, is there one that really kind of stood out to you as maybe the best match you've seen in the tournament?
1: Man, you know, I I had to catch it uh, on replay this morning uh, a little bit because I was driving yesterday. But that slew game uh, against Penn State, just, you know, the the sheer number of goals and kind of the lead changes. it's, It's not the only game that's kind of been that way either. There's been some, like I said, some really exciting. Uh, sort of score lines, but you know, Slew's is a team not far from us. Uh, know the staff fairly well, and they're just a lot of fun to watch. Great attacking team, yeah. and Penn State just the same. So just a, the back and forth there um, to just juggernauts this season. I think that's a, that was a great one.
0: Yeah, yeah, F- phenomenal. Tough Felta. Uh, got to feel bad for St. Louis as well, but they should they should hold their heads up high. So for mm-hmm. sure. So we transition here, coach, and we start talking about your squad now. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2023 season. You look back on it, just removed a few weeks removed from it. You know, you finished fifth in conference, so kind mm-hmm. of in the upper middle of the pack, if you yeah. will. Thoughts on your 2023
1: season? It a whirlwind, you know. And I, I tell the kids, even when we're recruiting them, um, you know what the fall is like at, at any level, and it's like. You fit a lot, a whole lot in a small amount of time, and but you blink and it's November. Like, honestly, um, we've been through a lot together. But for me, you know, first year head coach, um, in a sense, uh, a young squad or at least a squad that hadn't had you know, too much experience on the field for, for us. We were learning every single day, every single week. And it was a fun, fun environment to learn in. But yeah, I mean, I think we entered the season with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder. You know, we graduated some really awesome players last year and had a really good defense and just didn't get a ton of respect. I think in like the, the preseason voting, which is understandable, but yeah. for us, you know, that was something we pinned up in the locker room uh, before conference started is look at the, look at the votes, look at the standing. That's, that's who we're supposed to be. Um, so you guys, you can choose to fight against that every single day at training and in every game. So I was really proud of the squad. Um, you know, like I said, we learned, we made some changes, uh, trying to be flexible as a coaching staff and as a team, just to, to figure out what's the best thing we can do to help these guys be successful. And it's not necessarily coach Bennett wants to just do this. That's his plan or his system. Right. It's like, you know, what's going to make the players feel the most confident. Cause I, I say a lot is one of the things I say a lot is that with, you know, this level of athletes on the women's side were often coaching confidence and reminding them of how good they can be and so i think it's part of my, my job to put them in situations where they can play their best soccer so yeah we 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 felt pretty good about where we went but certainly not content you know we mm-hmm. ambitiously would love to be still playing and that'd be a probably a tall task for eiu but man
0: that's always the goal yeah yeah you know you, you've you been there for a while you know you've been there what about six seven years this is your first year making that leap as the head as the head coach, right? You were announced back in February of this mm-hmm. year. What, um, you, okay, let's look back here. Reflective really quick. I think it was what, July, I think it was of 2017. You and I were there in Chicago. We're going through yeah. the NSEAA premier, right? Premier diploma course from then, from that coach Bennett through now, right? Through what you just went through in your first year as the mm-hmm. head woman soccer coach at Eastern Illinois, what, what did you feel all those years of preparation from maybe that course through those six years as an assistant mm-hmm. what prepared you what did you feel what stood out to you that really had you prepared the most for this year
1: that's a great question you know i, I was really lucky because in my my time as an assistant in, in various degrees i got a lot of firsthand experience you know i was as you earn that trust and that support from from you know the coaches above you, your bosses, they they tend to give more responsibility, and so you have to work for it. But for me, like my last couple of seasons as an assistant coach, I was out in the road recruiting. Um, I was sitting in the office in some of those those player meetings, which you know, some are easier than others, obviously. But just to get there and and to hear uh, those conversations and and to see you know, how the players think and what they feel and the things they fight you on and things they agree with, um, that helped a lot. Um, and so I think that just getting in, in the trenches and getting your hands dirty year after year. And, you know, one of my mentors used to say that it's like, um, you know, be an assistant for a, a good four year cycle. Get to, to bring a player or players in, watch them develop, help them get there and then send them along, you know, having kind of ended their career or their at least their competitive career with the game in a lot of cases and see how that affects you. So for me, I had that time. Um, and I think that if you don't necessarily do that, you can you can rush steps. And sometimes you don't have a choice or sometimes opportunities come and you have to jump right. on before you're ready. And yeah. I don't know if they're, if you're ever really ready for your first opportunity as a head coach at any level for that matter. Um, and so there is always some learning on the job this year. But, yeah, just the, the culmination of those experience working there, some really great guys uh, and girls in my time, um, I think helped me get as ready as I could.
0: Yeah. What was maybe the one thing? That you you realized going through it this past year that that there was like hey no matter how many years I would have been an assistant mm-hmm. I would have never have been able to figure this out or experience it until yeah. I'm actually in the seat was there one particular thing that really stood out to you? There's probably a couple you know because I've been asked that question before and I had to think about it but man.
1: Um, you know, for example, as an assistant coach, um, you're always given feedback or you're being asked for your feedback. You're often presenting problems or identifying problems. And if you're a good assistant, you're hopefully providing solutions too. But at the end of the day, most of those decisions or answers are made by the head coach and you just pass along your, your thoughts and feelings. So, you know, now it's all on you. So the weight's on you um, and just gosh, the sheer breadth of, you know, the amount of decisions you have to make on a daily basis, something as small as where we're going to eat pre or post game. And something as major as, you know, a player personnel issue that's really going to affect their career and, and their lives. And every day it's just the buck stops with you. So that's, that's a big one. And I think going along with that, just, you know, how much your words mean. And I think that as an assistant coach, obviously the, you know, you gain respect the longer you're there and the players hopefully trust you and you develop those relationships, but you know i can't have any just flippant comments as a head coach because the players are internalizing that and they're taking it to oh you know, coach bennett said that so i need to 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 really you know make that a part of who i am or i have to really focus on that so yeah. you can joke around of course but you have to really be thoughtful with just everything that you say and that's that's maybe again in terms of that thoughtfulness um it forces you to be a bit more introspective and a bit more caring with your comments if you're really paying attention
0: yeah yeah, that's that's a great point that's a great point right so being being a little bit because you still want to be authentic you want to be genuine you want to be yourself but you still have to be yeah you have to be a little bit more strategic i don't think is the right mm-hmm. word right but a little bit maybe calculated like so. or just a, awareness more than anything mm-hmm. right?
1: so. yeah and you know i think every day this is maybe the the hard part about coaching uh to get maybe the mental health side for coaches but I mean, every single day, just about you're disappointing someone somehow, you know, whether that's a recruit that you respond to, um, sorry, maybe better luck next time, or you don't respond to someone, or you're talking to a player about a situation on the field, off the field. It's just, you know, it feels like some days can be longer than others because you're always just, you know, you're telling certain people no for things that they want that you have, but you can't give them. And that's, that weighs on you a little bit. And I think that's just comes with the territory.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, Was there anything that's that you realized is like, man, I uh, I would have never guessed I would be the the non soccer stuff, right? The non X's and O stuff, the managerial, <laughs> the stuff off the field. What was the one thing that you were just like, I had no idea I was going to be doing this much of this? What was that? Yeah, <laughs> I,
1: mean, I don't know if there's any one thing, but there's every day there's something new, yeah. you know, whether it's. Uh, I've I've already learned in my experience don't try to guess which freshman to put in which rooms together because if you guess you get it wrong so so we try to get them a little bit of a heads up the like the committed kids they get to know each other and they can tell us but yeah I mean just dealing with with roommate issues or you know kids are living off campus and you have to go help them talk to a landlord you know and just being a bridge between that and and we get a lot of support in so many areas here but mm-hmm. whether it's academics or helping a kid with a job um, getting some some job opportunities, writing references. I mean, I don't know if there's any one thing, but every day there's a new thing that you didn't get trained. There's nothing that they, that they cover in the coaching courses at any level about, you know, some of this relationship stuff with families and just, you know, life counseling that you do.
0: Yeah. What's feedback? What's maybe one thing you would share to that? Maybe there's that existing you know, highly talented, experienced assistant coach right now who is thinking, maybe thinking it's like, I think I might be ready to make that jump Mm -hmm. or, or maybe they're, Hey, I'm not sure if, if I'm ready or if I want to, um, what's maybe the one piece of advice you'd give them?
1: We'll never be afraid to make a leap. I think that you know, if you really, if you back yourself, which you have to as a coach, you have to back yourself. Is to don't be afraid to to embrace the unknown, to to leap first, you know, and and learn as you go, and just um, be confident in that. But you know, for me, the the other part of it, is just be consistent, be truthful, just be genuine, as you kind of said, because you know, players see through that; they just do. And if, oh, yeah. you're, if you're trying to make them happy and just be liked, um, you're probably in the wrong profession at least uh, to a certain extent because like i said a big part of this is making hard decisions and, and telling truths and some sometimes kids i mean we're working with high-performing athletes who oftentimes are coming from club or, or high school environments where they you know maybe they got told no at home but did they ever get told no uh, in a soccer sense and, and they earned that potentially by being great players but all of a sudden everyone's good and everyone's fighting for the, the same thing and then you know, how do you manage those expectations and still get them to buy in to, to who you are, you know, what you're putting out there, who the team is, and to still cheer for maybe that best friend that's taking your spot. Those are all really hard things to to grasp as a player of 18 to 22 years old, and it's your job to help guide them through that. So don't be afraid of it, but you start with being just yourself and being truthful and not being afraid of those hard conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, I think back, you said that, and jogs my memory. I think back of a great, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given is back in my military career, right? When I was still ascending, I was moving up the ranks into the senior NCO, senior NCO world, right? The senior non-commissioned officer mm-hmm. world. And <clears throat> excuse me, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given is like, hey, as you move in into these positions of authority, these positions of leadership, understand that um, it's tough, right? It's tough because it's it goes against human nature in terms mm-hmm. of not of not being liked or being disliked, right? But um, in terms of your position and respect, it's like if you put liked if you put liked ahead of respect, you will end up with neither, right? And uh, so true, so true to this day, so. Yeah, um,
1: someone yeah. told me one time, if, if you're a leader and you finish your job and you haven't made anyone mad, you didn't do your job right. <laughs> you know, and that's maybe a negative outlook, but it just goes to right. show you, can, you can't be afraid of, of the challenges of leadership. And, and sometimes it can be a bit lonely at the top, yeah. but, but you have to embrace that.
0: And I think that it's getting that point across to this generation, right? Is that leadership is tough. Leadership is sometimes ugly. Leadership is sometimes brutal, sometimes, you know, sloppy and dirty. And, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not a perfect, everyone just says what you do and that's it. You're a leader. You know, it's (laughs) not that that simple. So, all right. We look back, coach, um, through your time as an assistant, and then obviously you were able to. The continuity piece continues with you as you move into the uh, the head coach position, right? Mm-hmm. But now that you're the head coach and after year one, do you find yourself readjusting your, you know, three year plan? Do you feel like you all are on schedule? Mm-hmm. Where do you feel from that 35,000 foot view perspective? Where do you feel like you guys are at?
1: That's a great question. You know, I think that it's nice to come in and, you know, you're always afraid, like game one. Oh my gosh we're gonna get blown out and we're just gonna get our butts kicked all season so it's nice to have a little bit of success and, and we thought we probably you know played some of our best soccer uh, at the end and that was actually one of the challenges i gave the team was that you know yes we care about exhibition games and non-conference games of course you want to win every one of them but for us uh we're, we're judged often by how well we do in the ovc the ohio valley conference and i told them that you know if we can be playing our best soccer at the end of the season, and also still getting along, relatively speaking, respecting each other, having good teamsmanship. For me, that's a success in itself, but also that's the kind of team that is capable of getting to the postseason and, and making a run because let's face it, there are teams out there that uh, when you talk to them behind the scenes, they're just ready for this thing to be over with, and they can't wait till the offseason. For me, you know, looking our players in the eyes, um, there's a lot of them that were just still very, very hungry to keep going. Uh, and that's great because as a coach, I felt the same way and yeah. was proud of the, of the you know, the game plan we had together um, and the way they played. So, yeah, for us, there was definitely progress, um, you know, in terms of where we are in that process, you know, I'll have to, to step back a bit further and really assess. But I think we've made some good strides. You know, we we're, like I said, pick to finish last, finish middle of the pack. We're one win away from finishing third and, and hosting a, uh, a play-in game. And you know, that'd be nice, too. So for us, there's that aspect of it, the competitive and performance um, part of it you know, with our team as well, having those individual meetings, you know, getting in touch with every player and talking to the leadership and the seniors and seeing you know, how do you guys feel? It, it, the other part it that I'm really proud of is just that the kids had a pretty enjoyable experience for the most part, you know, and not everyone's going to have the same experience. Some play more than others and, and there's stuff off the field that impacts that too. But, you know, one of those things I was really proud of is when we went out um, in our final game it was double overtime, lost a tough one. We kind of got the group together um, in a huddle on the field. You know, that's, cold it's raining you know it's just it's one of those hard situations and no one again back to to coaching courses and and things like that no one prepares you with the words to say to a bunch of kids where a handful of them are never going to play competitive soccer again ever you know so we're coaches had our little spiel we said and we kind of went around and asked you know how do you guys or do you guys have anything to say how do you feel um which is always, it's a slippery slope because you never know what someone's going to say and <laughs> is that what the team needs? But it was really cool because a lot of the girls uh, had something to say, you know, uh, among them, a couple of our seniors who had lots of adversity in their own careers spoke up and said, you know, this is just the funnest season ever. Um, really love you guys. It's just a lot of fun to be around you. And, and some of those girls that spoke up weren't ones who played, you know, the, the heavy minutes or, or maybe – you know, played the role that they envisioned when they first came here. So it's nice to hear that that kind of feedback, um, and to see that they had a genuine experience. So for me, it's just building on that. That's something where every year, you know, win, lose, or draw, I want to make sure they feel that way if I can. Um, and how you manage those expectations, the size of your roster, you know, that's that's all where I'm learning as I go a little bit, to be honest with you. So um yeah just building on that I think there's elements of our style of play I want to see more and more and more of and, and part of that is teaching and part of that's bringing in players that can
0: that can get it done so clearly you know clearly in terms of where you were picked preseason, season whereas you, where you finished that's a big you know that's a big benchmark right that's a big sign of success but from from progress from process right internally where do you where do you feel maybe when you look back at your squad Where do you feel like the most in what area did the most growth occur yeah I mean gosh on the field I think that one of the things we
1: saw or we knew about ourselves coming in is we had a lot to replace we had Uh, A couple kids transferred out that were big major players in in last year's squad. And we basically replaced the majority of the back line that was, I think top 50 in the country allowed like 13 goals, which is great. Um, But at the same time, you know, the 2022 team, we didn't score a lot. So we, we had a team that I think tied eight matches last year and then finished on the outside, looking into the conference tournament. So tough season. So it was hard to pick them up from that. And I think on the field, gosh, I want to say we allowed just over 20, maybe 21, 22 goals, which is still pretty respectable. And we scored just about as many. So we doubled or or maybe even more than doubled our, our scoring output. And we did that uh, on both ends with a lot of new players. You know, I would yeah. say that we played a back line in the end that none of them are would fancy themselves as true center backs, um, and yet they're playing center back. And up top, you know, had returners that contributed too, but we also incorporated some new players, some freshmen, um, and they're out there banging in goals. So for me, it's it's bright for the future. And we wanted to be a bit more exciting. You know, we wanted to still defend and have a, a work rate that's been a, a hallmark of our teams, and to to take pride in not getting scored on and to be really tough to break down. But we also wanted to be a bit more exciting, um, to have the ball to keep it, of course, but to then also put the ball in the back of the net. So for us, I think scoring goals gives just gives teams belief. You know, it's hard to keep you know hitting on the philosophy, uh, whatever your philosophy may be if you don't pull results or you don't have that feeling of the ball going in the back of the net. And for us, it was nice because we hit the ground running this year and there were times when we were scoring goals, you know, every single game, no matter what the result was. And that just, it does help the belief go a little bit further if I'm honest. So yeah, that was, it was nice. It's nice. I've been part of teams where we don't score goals, teams where we score lots of goals. Um, This was a fairly balanced team and to do it with kids that were in their first year of our program for, I think we had, in our final game six starters that were either true freshmen or maybe junior college transfers so for us you know it's it's looking up
0: next one here for you is what would you well, <laughs> every every college coach's favorite question right <laughs> thoughts on from your perspective what you can share what you want to get into right mm-hmm. uh, you personally thoughts on the transfer portal oh boy
1: It's the wild west, man. It's the wild west. Yeah. I think, you know, this year, if I'm not mistaken, um, on, was it last Monday when it opened up for the general student population, by the end of the day, there's over 600 kids in there. And I I do think it was like halfway full already from some of those exceptions that can go in outside of those transfer window, um, transfer portal windows, which is like Mm -hmm. grad school kids, kids that had their aid reduced or coaching changes. But still 600 kids, it's wild. And I think that on one hand, I'm, I'm happy for the kids because they have more empowerments, you know, more flexibility. I mean, you take the college football example um, where coaches are jumping ship left and right for, for more money. And it was really hard for students for a very long time to have that freedom to move around. So on one hand, it's great. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you know, there's the old school coaches that say, you know, like, ah, no one's loyal these days. And it's, you can just jump ship for things like NIL money um, cost of attendance, all the different things that are coming into play. And, for me, it's interesting because we're, you know, kind of a low to mid-major school. So that NIL, the the dollar signs aren't really affecting women's soccer players yet, um, but it might someday. and, And that's something we have to be ready for. But, you know, for me, it's, it does affect your recruiting. I think that there's a lot of players and we're into what our last year of players with that COVID extra year of eligibility.
0: It'll be this coming year or they just, there'll be the ones that just finished.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So the, they're um, on the portal now. So the current fourth year seniors have one more year of eligibility. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So it should start to normalize. And that's the other thing. I think that it's been crazy the last couple of years because of Mm -hmm. the portal being new because of COVID the next year of eligibility and now also because of all the different mechanisms coming in to, to filter money um, into the student athlete experience. So there's just from an NCAA perspective, there's a lot of things going on at once and there's a lot of litigation out there changing things every day, too. So it's hard to yeah. keep up with it. But yeah. for me as a coach, yeah, it's it's interesting because I can go out there and take a look at top high school prospects. Um, I can look at kids on the transfer portal with that instant you know, experience of the college realm. And and then you can do all your other recruiting too, from internationals to junior colleges. So it, it does open up the doors to a lot of different avenues of players. Um, I don't know if I would love to be a high school student athlete up against kids in the pool right now. I think that's a right. different challenge and makes it harder for them to be recruited
0: for sure. Yeah. And, you know, one that leads me into an interesting question is like, cause it's, it's a topic that comes up kind of pretty regularly. It has since the pandemic Comes up pretty regularly here, here in Texas. Is as a coach there in Illinois, uh, in your general vicinity area, what have you? Do you either get the chance, or do you make it a point to even try to recruit um, beyond showcases and tournaments, but actually attend high school high school games?
1: Yeah, I love to ask that question too because I'm a big believer in high school, and and I guess maybe the game is going. Kind of,
0: the there you go. Guys, you a little sound effect there, man, for being a proponent <laughs> okay. of high school sports. There you I go. thought my
1: computer was blowing up. I thought, <laughs> oh, my gosh, the
0: connection's finally. No, me. no, relax. We're good.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, I love high school. You know, I, I, it's funny. I was at a camp uh, the other day, and I was in a, in a stadium where I actually had played, but hadn't been back there since high school at the state championship in Illinois. So very nostalgic and reminded me of my experience, which I mean, I just loved high school soccer for me. And I was in a smaller town. We took a lot of pride in high school sports, and, and I was lucky because my team did fairly well while I was there. But, you know, as the game has progressed, they've gotten away. Um, the college recruiting maybe has gotten away from things like high school soccer or even ODP just because everything's been changing. But, you know, for me, Illinois is still, I think, a very um, – in the Midwest in general is a very healthy place for high school soccer. There are mm-hmm. good teams. There are good coaches. Um from Chicago to St. Louis and everywhere in between. So for me though, the biggest thing is if I talk to a kid or a family and you can tell they value their high school soccer experience, then for me as a coach, I should too. Um, Now, is it always the best bang for your buck? Do you see more than two teams in a day? Maybe not, right? That's where a showcase could come in and be more uh, cost effective, but you know, if it, if it's just worth a, an hour or two or a couple hours drive away from me and I've got nothing else better to do, why not go watch, yeah, the player you're recruiting, but a good matchup, um, fans in the stands playing under lights. I mean, just sometimes the the club player that you really like has a bit more of a chip on their shoulder and feels like they're playing for more in high school games. So yeah, I, I love it. I think that I try to get as, to as many as I can in the season. And I've definitely heard from some recruits before that I'm the only coach that's there or the only one that came out to watch this year. And if that helps us recruit them, then obviously
0: it's a benefit for us. Yeah. 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 You know, if, if nothing else, one of the things I've mentioned to college coaches is you want to see if you're zeroing in on a particular student athlete, right. And you want to see them, obviously you want to see them, you see them at showcase, maybe you see them in a more intimate setting as like one of your ID camps, Mm -hmm. but you want to see them in as many different environments as possible. If you go see them in the high school setting, you know, what are they like, right? What are they like as a leader? What are they like within their team, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, you will see, I can attest to this personally, on multiple levels, former uh, student, former and current student athletes of mine is they, they look like very different kids, very young student athletes uh, with their club, sometimes from with their high school. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I cannot emphasize that enough. Uh, So it's such a great point.
1: Um, Yeah, the coaches, too, they see them in a different environment. Maybe they see them every day, whereas club coaches might see them twice a week, potentially. Um, They might see them in the classroom. They certainly see them on a bus or, or, you know, just again, I think the high school environment um, in, I guess, the logistical sense, it does mirror the college game sometimes better than the club environment because Mm -hmm. of the time spent around each other. But so you get their perspective. And often when I speak to high school coaches, they'll tell me about the kid's character, their coachability Um, club coaches are a bit more in tune with, uh, or more focused on just the soccer aspects, which for us, it's a, you know, we're trying to get the whole picture, the holistic picture of a kid and their family as well. Cause that's all part of the same mix and
0: it's great to get both ends of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The holistic piece. And, you know, and that's one of the things that we've really been trying to make a point to stress about Texas, right. Texas student athletes, especially when we get, you know, we get college coaches out of state such as yourself, Mm -hmm. right. Is that, um, I, I understand different states, uh, the high school coach, in different states, they do different things, right? But in Texas, obviously that has to be a certified has to be a certified teacher, that's also a coach. And we have we have athletic periods here in Texas, right? So that coach with that student athlete, they're seeing them throughout the year, around mm-hmm. the you know the school year. They're seeing them anywhere from eight to 12 hours a week every week from August to May. Right. Uh, whether they're in season or not. So it, it kind of goes without question. It's like, why isn't that conversation happening more? Right. In terms of the character off the field, in the classroom, in the weight room. Right. Uh, those kind of questions. Um, their grades. Right. Obviously, you're going to have to want to know about their grades in more, in more detail. So, yeah. So I think uh, when we're trying to make that a point, especially when it comes to college coaches that are recruiting Texas student athletes. Absolutely, man.
1: Yeah, it's it's all relevant. I mean, gosh, yeah, we see them on the field and we like to say we, we get you two hours um, a day if we're lucky in college. But what are do you doing the other 22 hours? You know, spending time with teammates, first of all, so you want to make sure you're putting kids together that, you know, are of the... I guess the same mold, at least in terms of just being good people—people people mm-hmm. you can live with and be around—but you're also sending them out into the world wearing, you know, wearing EIU and, and putting them in, in Walmart, you know, going shopping and being around kids in our community and, and families that, that pick them out, and professors that you've developed relationships to. Just, you know, tell them they're they're living in a fishbowl now in college, where everyone's looking at you. They're all poking and prodding. They want to know about you. Um, and so as a coach, you're putting your faith in those kids to represent your brand and the thing you're trying to build. So right. y- you don't always know everything when they get here and you have to teach them a lot of things, too. That's part of the process. But you do want to make sure you're investing in, in good people, if nothing else.
0: Yeah, yeah I've, I've often when I've had this conversation in the past with uh, with college coaches, I just tell them it's like I hey, think of in Texas, at least think of the high school soccer coach as the strength, right? The strength coach of, of your, of your college, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the things that student athletes, college student athletes quickly realize is they spend more time with the strength coach than anybody else. Right. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so to try to kind of give them some association there, some, some relevancy, I guess, or equivalency, I, I often tell them that. So, all right, coach, we okay. segue here. Biggest, tell us this one. What do you feel is maybe the biggest misconception about Eastern Illinois University?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. I think that, um, you know, it's interesting in today's day and age where social media has grown and grown and grown into this monster that it is now um, and the world has flattened a little bit, you know, kids are out there and they can watch any level of sure soccer game, but they also see a lot of college sports on TV or on social media where before you could tune in and, you know, channel three, you can see, you know, USC and Notre Dame or whatever football game. And that's great. But now you can log into Instagram and see, oh, that's what their locker room looks like. And here's what their coaches are like, the behind the scenes, the mic'd up stuff. So you just get to see uh, a lot of um, background detail to, to so many programs, which is a good thing. But then it's, it is kind of hard for some of us to keep up with the Joneses, you know, with the, the big schools <laughs> yeah. out there. So I think that you're starting to see more of a separation and, and from the the power five type entities in a soccer sense, as well as just the overall athletic department sense and the rest. And I think that we look, we sometimes get looked down on a little bit because we don't have uh, the sparkling shimmering thing that you see as soon as you log in Instagram. But you know, I, I guess combating that a little bit and still saying, yeah, we are still mm-hmm. division one. And in fact, you know, like I said, we win our conference and think what you will about our team or our conference. You know, we're not a power five uh, conference, but uh, as soon as you win that that last game in, in the OVC tournament, uh, which Morehead State was the team that won it this year for us, they're down there playing Florida State. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we, there is no FCS, FBS in women's soccer. We are competing right. with and against the best in the country. And you ask any coach, they're not just going to go down there um, just to throw in the towel. They want to win those games too. So, I, you know, sometimes kids will they'll play for some really big name brand clubs and and certainly they have to pay a lot of money sometimes to do that. And there's that whole investment piece, but it doesn't just mean, well, because I didn't get into Florida state's team that I can just walk on and, or just, you know, um, go be part of EIU and it's just going to be easy. Like every kid that I've recruited from every level, ECNL, GA, internationally, um, you know, non-name brand club, whatever it is, they get here and that's the starting line. Like getting there is, you know, you know, great job. Now you get to work and it's going to be just as hard for you as anyone else. So I think there's a just a, maybe the perception about college sports and the difficulty in general. Um, kids underestimate that for
0: sure. Yeah. I guess the uh, Dallas Cowboy fans are descending upon us here. We're going to be able to get through a, an episode without a Tony Romo reference, but there yes, go, man. right for the Dallas Cowboy uh, fans there. Yes. Tony Romo, a pro. Quarterback you quarterback. Romo. You that's us. Yeah, refresh my memory. So him, Garoppolo, who else? Yes, yeah, so
1: Jimmy G. who's out there now, currently playing. Um, a couple other ones that you might recognize would be Sean Payton, um, mm-hmm. coach of the Broncos now. And then uh, Mike Shanahan, who coached uh, a number of teams, but the Broncos, the two Super Bowl wins. So, yeah, they've all got banners here up. Uh, I'm actually lo- located in the football stadium. My office is. So okay. I walk outside and see all four of those faces
0: on a daily basis. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned your conference, right? The OVC, Ohio Valley Conference. Mm-hmm. Describe from the soccer perspective, right? Describe uh, OVC soccer to us. Describe that conference to us. Yeah. What's that? You know, probably the first thing to
1: mention is just the parody. Uh, one of the reasons I really love it, and I've discussed this, I was talking with another OVC coach just yesterday about how even it is. And, and every year, you know, so far there's any team can win it. So I, I love that um, just in general, because it means you always get a shot. You know, But right. I think we're, we're waiting for that that one team to separate themselves and be that uh, that dynasty but i enjoy that so every game's an absolute battle you know and, and talking to kids and this goes for all of division one I, I would say this but talking to kids sometimes from the junior college ranks or different divisions who are trying to transfer you know there there are games or, or in youth that you might you might have a tough one and then you might win the next one 10 to nothing <laughs> very rarely do you see that in division one and very rarely do you see that in the OBC. it's you know, teams, by the time you get to conference play, everyone's seen each other play a lot. You can scout each other. Everyone's ready. So it, it's very competitive is the first thing I would say, and that's enjoyable. Um, you know, it, it's it's more athletic than I think people give us credit for. There are some really tough, good athletes in this conference uh, on every single team. You know, every team in this conference has somebody that can beat you if you're not careful, if you're not prepared. Um what else i'd mention is there's you know there's been a lot of turnover lately there's new coaches coming into the conference and some of those traditional styles of play that you get used to for the better part of a decade are changing um and again to give them credit moorhead state they they weren't so high in the conference a couple years ago now they they won the tournament this year finished second in the regular season and and they play a brand of soccer that's enjoyable at least to to my eyes so for me it's there's a lot of new stuff coming in but uh, the level is really really good and it's competitive and
0: um just a good group of coaches, good group of teams to you know, to compete against. Yeah, and you know, you talked about it. We briefly mentioned it in terms of just the portal. You just mentioned uh, JUCO as well, junior college. Yep. But tell us a little bit what you can share. Tell us about your incoming uh, recruiting class. What can you share? Mm-hmm. A little bit about that, and then also, what are you looking forward to in this in the spring of uh, of twenty twenty four? Yeah. Good question. So we, you know, the early signing date that is now in November that has come and
1: gone, we were able to announce some of our, uh, our current class. So we've got five that we've currently signed to come in and you'll, you'll see a theme of, of defense straight away, just because I, again, we had to replace a lot from last year to this year, had a group that went in and did a really remarkable job and have kind of cemented themselves into those positions, but we knew we needed some more depth, a bit more backup in those positions and some more, some kids have just, I guess we're prepared to play defender a bit more naturally. So we brought in four that would consider themselves part of the back line, you know, be it center back or or outside back type players. Um, And then another that kind of incorporates right into our attack, uh, anywhere across the front line or even the midfield line. So um, it just so happened. And I wouldn't say this is always the case for us. Um, I think all of them at this point are EC or GA kids, which honestly, we, we've, there've been years we've had none of those before. And that doesn't say you're going to be better or worse. In my opinion, I don't really buy into a lot of the the initials uh, kind of talk, but for us, they are all playing at pretty good levels. And so that's exciting. Um, you know, we're still probably going to bring in a player or two to, to jump into the team. And so, yeah, we're looking at places like the transfer portal, uh, the junior college realms and, and internationally as well. So that's exciting. I, I think we're, we're, the, the bigger message is we're bringing back a team that is now a bit more battle tested. Um, kids that, like I said, identified them as being maybe inexperienced or a bit young now they've been through it. You know, there's no more nerves. Uh, they know what they're doing. They've been through a, a playoff situation as well. And we're just adding in kids to challenge for those spots. And I think that those spots are gonna be hard to earn as they always are for incoming players. But um, I'm excited to see them compete, you know, in this, the spring, we got some good matches lined up already Um, going up to actually a high school showcase, the body armor showcase, which was, I think, formerly the the Pepsi showdown. But it's a large Mm -hmm. high school tournament up in the Chicago suburbs, which is a lot of fun. And we're going to play Loyola out of Chicago. And that is kind of a showpiece game um, around in and around a ton of other high school games going on, which I think is a a great opportunity to to showcase what we're doing Uh, and some other matches too. that. They're all going to be good. So for us, there's some good competition, but really just another three or four months to get going with myself, my staff to just continue to coach the kids. And the spring we always think is really that semester of growth and development, because especially for freshmen, they get here uh, August one or whatever, sometimes in July and you hit the ground running. And it's hard to, to have that time to really acclimate because games just come so thick and fast. And the spring we can actually take a step back train more than we play games and really start to put the the, the pieces in place of here's who we are, here's how we want to play. And, and this is what that looks like.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it's great. Great point. And that kind of leads me into my next question, because I was going to ask you, you mentioned the one showcase, but c- what else can you share with us in terms of where you, you and your coaching staff might be as far as upcoming showcases, tournaments, ID camps be, between now and the, and the spring?
1: Yeah, so we don't have any camps uh, ourselves on the schedule just yet. I'm thinking of probably putting one in the spring, you know, being an Illinois school, the Illinois high school season starts right at the end of February, early March. And it's hard to get kids to camps when they're in their high school season. Right. So I may put one in there early spring, but we always do uh, a camp or camps in the summertime as well. And then in you know, person, we get to a lot of camps. Uh, like I said, I worked one this weekend, my assistant worked another, whether that's another school's camp or some of those satellite camps by uh, different companies. So we, we try to get out to a lot of those in different regions or different states in region in the Midwest. Um, on top of that, you know, I know that ECNL Tennessee is coming up. That's something that my assistant's going to go to. Uh, I may or may not be out to the the GA Champions Cup in California, which coincides with the uh, California Junior College Sophomore Showcase. That's an event that I think is really valuable because if you don't know, the the California Junior Colleges all play against each other, but they don't play in the NJCAA. Um, mm-hmm say their own self-contained league so you're not there to watch that those are two things i have coming up for sure but we as a staff get to a lot of in-region stuff so eastern located conveniently three hours south of chicago two hours uh east of st louis two hours west of indy uh, not so far away from louisville and cincinnati too so for us we try to get to as many events as we can in that sort of uh, geographic footprint so yeah. if it's out there and kids let us know about it or it's on our schedule we're we're going to try to make sure we
0: send somebody right now what are what, what are maybe some of the things because i get ask this a lot right is what are some of the things maybe from your perspective you, coach bennett your eastern illinois coaching staff mm-hmm. what are you all um what are you all maybe looking for when you attend these events these showcases mm-hmm. and you're out there on the you're out on the recruiting trail what are maybe some things you're looking for or maybe even some things you you can suggest
1: yeah well i mean there's there's the obvious stuff that every coach looks for they're looking for players that have the soccer qualities right whether it's you know, can you separate yourself with with something like speed or, or first touch, your technical ability? Are you scoring goals? Are you defending? You know, position-specific characteristics, and we could talk about that, but that that's the obvious stuff. You know, I think that something I do tell players on the soccer side of things is to do make sure there's something that separates you, something that you're good at. So look in the mirror, you know, reflect. Are you a very good shooter of the ball? Can you strike a ball? Are you a good dribbler? a good passer? Um, you know sometimes it's hard if you play that central midfield position or the holding midfield or even a defending position where okay well i'm not getting on the score sheet but i'm setting plays up okay well you know make that make that apparent to coaches um, do something that's going to separate yourself in a good way and and maybe just incorporate that in in your highlights if you put video together, but also shore up your weaknesses. Everyone has them. You know, for me, my left foot's just for standing on, but like you got to make sure that you have a left foot uh, or a right foot or a weaker foot that isn't going to hold you back from achieving your goals. And that's just one example. So whatever your shortcomings may be, shore those up, get them to an acceptable level. Uh, And by acceptable level, I also mean, you know, know the level, watch the game, go to a college soccer game, uh, watch as much soccer as you can. It's certainly easier to watch the games now than it was back in our day, you know, when it was one channel um, filmed with a potato, you know, or whatever. It's so it's so much easier now to do that. So do it. Take advantage of those things, and I think that that's part of it. You know, the I guess the other aspect I would say beyond the I guess more obvious points that I would consider those to be is what we're really trying to figure out again back to that holistic, you know, whole person piece is what kind of teammate are you? How coachable are you? one thing I say sometimes is that like, you know, the the hallmark of a good teammate is how well do you make the person to your left and right? It's one thing to score a bunch of goals. Um, and that's great. You can't ignore that, but you know, if things don't go your way, for example, are you the one pointing fingers? Are you the one bashing your teammates or your coaches as soon as you get on the phone? Um, even the little things like, are you making mom and dad carry your gear for you? That's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things you could, you could watch, but believe me, coaches are watching everything because again, we're just going to have you, for what, four years nonstop and, and those, you know, shortcomings become ours. And so we want a kid that at the very least takes pride in, in being a good teammate and making people around them better, being thankful and grateful for the opportunities they have, even if those are humble ones.
0: Well said. Yeah, it's great insight. Basic stuff, small stuff, but it matters, right? <laughs> so thanks. It's great, great stuff. Done. Um. So as we start, we start switching gears here, coach, we start uh, tr- getting ready to transition Question for you here, no, no idea how much you're aware, you know, how much you see it on social media, anything, what you hear, right. Talking with, with, you know, other colleagues, college coaches, but thoughts regarding the, maybe the Texas soccer scene or maybe even, you know, Texas high school soccer. What do you have any takeaways, any thoughts, any opinions on that?
1: You know, not as much as I probably should, because that for us is is a region that we haven't, I haven't personally recruited from there. In a, in a number of years, probably not since I coached on the men's side, but just the, the level of talent and the amount of players, you know, I think Cal, Cal and Cal South, Cal North, they get a lot of uh, of credit um, and have for a very long time for for good reason. But Texas is just the same. You know, I can remember back in the day where it was like, gosh, Dallas, the Texans red, you know, they were the team in the 88 group that was that was mine. And they have players that went on to play for the full men's national team on the boys' mm-hmm. side. Yeah. They were incredible. And I, I think that that talent's still there and, and, you know, I've got some colleagues that coach down there and they're just, you know, head over heels with you look out your back door and and throw a rock and you're going to find a a college level player. It's just, you got to make sure you do that kind of work. So for me, it's a a region that I want to get to some events down there personally. Um, I know that on the, on the women's side, there's, you know, a healthy amount of schools on the men's side, there's not actually a lot of division one soccer programs down there. Um, But the amount of players you could argue is probably the most populated state in terms of talent in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the disconnect, you know, and, and for us, again, you know, can I convince them to, to come to EIU college town in Illinois? I hope so. It's my job. Um, yeah.
0: That's an area I want to look at more and more and more. Yeah. Awesome. Well said. Well said. Love that. Definitely love that. So um, we start segueing here, coach, and we start, we're going to look at, you know, we're going to, we're going to kind of, Change gears here. Start looking at uh, our counter segment where we get to have fun with you, right? Kind of get to pick on you a little bit, right? No, I'm just kidding. But before we do that, I want to tell you about our good friends, both at Gipper and Global Scarves, right? So our good friends at Gipper, is they are the way that schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join over 2,500. That's more like 3,000 now. Join over 3,000 coaches, ADs, and use Gipper to create high-quality visual-branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience whatsoever. In the event you do have significant design experience, they are designed for you as well, what they call the power user. So you can just dive into that many more options if you do have experience in this. But as we all know, marketing, digital social media marketing, it makes a difference in this day and age as well. So. Just for being a listener of the 5050 podcast, you're going to receive 10% off any first time Gipper purchase. Again, that's 10% off any first time Gipper purchase. Simply visit Gipper.com/slash partner slash 50 to learn more. Again, that's Gipper.com slash partner slash 5050. And our good friends at Global Scarves. I got to see them this past weekend at the Tasco Texas High School Soccer Coaches Convention. Both Kyle and Bill actually had a uh, had a good little interview there with our, our my good friend Kyle Wall as well. And uh, they're phenomenal, right? If you're, we know it's scarves are synonymous with, um, with our our sport, right, in soccer. But Global Scarves is a top provider of custom knitted scarves, beanies, and other fan merchandise in the U.S. All merch is fully custom with free design services and free shipping on all orders. Again, that's free shipping on all orders. Contact them at info at scarves.com to get any free designs or quotes built out for your school club, or even if you want to create personal ones, right? Let's say maybe you have a supporters group, right? So again, you can contact them at info at global scarves.com. Mention the podcast or use the code hashtag fifty fifty pod, and they'll be sure to take care of you. So, all right, coach, it is that time. The moment of truth Counter Um, uh, no, ready? All right. all right, here we go. First one. Uh, just kind of started asking this one recently. So you got three choices here, right? You got to support one, you got to hate on one, right? You have to despise one and you have to invest your own personal money in one. Wrexham, Sunderland, and AFC Richmond. What are you doing? Oh, man. So so what about invests, supports, and- and Support, despise, invest. Support,
1: despise, invest. My goodness, that's tough. and I, I i can't help but want to invest in, in Rexham. you know i i love that the tv show there with rob mceloney and ryan reynolds right. i love that show i could talk about it for ages and i mean i'm not up, I'm not up on season two yet have not had oh, a chance to watch catch up before. man catch up it's great no so without spoiling it, they, they do well so again you're putting your bucks into a into a team i'll mm-hmm. invest in them um support afc Richmond. you know the ted lasso right that's I did not get behind the feel-good story there and that I'll tell you what that was one as a show i stayed away from for the first couple of seasons i just thought man that's going to be corny i'm not going to like it you know, I, know. I, I work soccer all day i don't want to go home and just watch more about my profession profession but um yeah that that one hit the heartstrings a little bit and i yeah. feel, feel bad for sunderland i don't really despise them but you know
0: that's how it has to be i guess despise <laughs> sunderland <laughs> All right, so I don't even. Is Sunderland's what in the championship? I think right now, aren't they? I if believe used they to are to now, but we have to double check right. for sure. Yeah, I believe they're currently. They've worked their way back up to the. Hopefully, they don't get uh, caught and passed by Wrexham. Mm-hmm. That, that it, would be. Fun. That Sunderland till I die show, I think, it's on Netflix. I did
1: watch that, and it's <laughs> again, you watch it behind the scenes of these clubs, and you see how much people invest and care, and. You know, the supporter stories, you, you can't despise too many of them unless you grew up despising them, I guess. That's,
0: that's right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's what makes the question tough, right? You got to pick one. All right, <laughs> next one VAR, 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 whatever we want to call it, yes or mm-hmm. no? Yes, with an asterisk. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. I mean, we, gosh, coaches' bellyache for so long about changes of the game. And, you know, when the NFL started doing video review, everyone's like, soccer needs that. And it's true, but. I do think there's ways to do it right. And there's ways to do it wrong. And, and the premier league, you know, they've gotten a lot of shtick lately for just some of those questionable decisions. So there's, they, they need to work on a little bit, but I do think given it, uh, given the time to perfect it, there's a, a place for it in the game. Awesome
0: book. You are current, you are currently reading or recently read. Oh man.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the time to start reinvesting in books. You know, it's, it's hard to keep up with in the off season. Um, Okay. The, I think the tough stuff is one that I completed recently by, I'm saying it's Cody Royal. It, it's just interviews a lot of head coaches. So it's one that was on my reading list, you know, with the new job and everything that I wanted to hear from other head coaches and just yeah. goes into the psychology behind it. Again, some of those man management kind of stories and right. just the, the challenges of being in the big chair, so to speak, So that was one that helped me through my first season. Yeah.
0: Okay. Good. Current. So it's kind of a two-parter here. So current, Music and podcast playlists. I know you told me you're not that much of a podcast guy. So, yeah. So, see what what are those playlists looking like? Both music and I mean, you're a coach, you travel a lot, different events. What are you listening to? Whether it's music, podcast, what do you got?
1: Yeah. The podcast playlist. I I admit I'm not a huge podcast guy. So, it's a 50 50 by itself. There you go. All right. (laughs) Awesome. Once again, (laughs) no, your computer is not exploding. It's not. No, there's that. I think music wise, you know, lately, um, Gosh, I like all different genres of music. I really, really do. Um, I discovered Greta Van Fleet as a band recently. That's uh, mm. sounds a lot like Led Zeppelin, which I dig. Yeah. So that was something I never heard of before, and been listening yeah. to their albums lately. But yeah. you know, it's funny. Our team in training sessions, we get the speaker out, uh, the big speaker, portable speaker, and the start of every training session, we we let somebody DJ and we just get it going. Just to, whether it's early in the morning, gotta wake up, or yeah. after class and you know in a crabby mood, we try to lighten it up a little bit and right. You know, whenever I get on the on the on the ox court, it's it's probably some nineties hip hop. 90 grad, 90s hip hop. So. oh there you, oh wow. I, I you,
0: go, you go hard, huh? Expensive <laughs> All <laughs> All right. sure. versions, of course. Of course. I like that. I like that. Awesome. It's yeah. a good, good deal. All right. Professional coach, maybe I'm not saying that you're trying to be them, but mm-hmm. professional coach you kind of you admire from afar, or maybe you even pattern yourself after. Who would you Gosh. say?
1: There's a lot out there and for a lot of different reasons. Um you know, the, the in, in Vogue kind of coaches like Pep, um, how could you not want to do some of the things that his teams do in the field? And I think that for me, I grew up um, kind of watching his Barca teams and things like that. So that was an easy one to pick out that everyone would say. I think Rodrigo De Zerbi as well. His name. hope I'm saying his name right. But the yeah. Brighton coach, just watching his teams play this yeah. past year. And I, yeah. I've downloaded a couple of his uh, webinars and things like that from, from the internet and trying to learn, like, just how his teams play, how to get in, you know, make them – do the things that you draw up on a piece of paper. I think those are, those are two transformative coaches in the premier league right now. And I guess on the non X's and O's parts, because I think those are just as, if not more important, those traits in a coach. Um, I'll actually go back to basketball a little bit. The you know, I read Phil Jackson's, one of his books. Um, and I think just him, guys like him, Brad Stevens, uh, Greg Popovich, they often talk about just you know, how they inspire their players or how they do unconventional things. Like Phil Jackson, you would never imagine it, but he derives a lot of his coaching philosophy from Native American tribes and customs. He's a big Native American guy in terms of the things he studies and and, and views. And, you know, the 90s Bulls, that dynasty that's, you know, you talk to a Chicago sports fan and they'll tell you about Michael Jordan. They're doing, you know, Zen meditation and yoga in the 90s when no one was doing that kind of stuff. And I just thought that was fascinating uh, because
0: you would not imagine that just looking at Phil Jackson, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a guy, he came up in the real old school NBA, ABA, NBA, right? Uh-huh. He came up, so yeah. <laughs> That's um, right. Greatest sports movie. Ooh,
1: the greatest sports movie?
0: Yeah. Man. Like the one that gets you going all, all goo-goo. Gosh, there's so many. You got your yeah. next ready, maybe? Yeah, there's
1: a lot of good ones. Um, you know, the feel-good story of Rudy is always a, a classic, <laughs> or, or Rudy or Hoosiers, the old school, probably dates me a little bit um those are good ones man i'm trying to think okay the rocky movies big fan of all of them except for except for rocky five we don't talk about that one um but those are great (laughs) i tell you here's one for you and and this is this might be a bit controversial because it's not technically a sports movie um it's called whiplash and i caught this movie a few years back because it was on the it won a bunch of awards Uh um and it's got some, some well-named, some good named, uh, or some, sorry, some brand name actors and actresses in it, but it's a movie actually about music and the the pathway for this guy to, to make it in a jazz band at like a Juilliard type institution, which is like, who's in that again. That sounds so familiar. But oh gosh. Um, you're testing me now, man. I, if, all the faces yeah. you'd
0: recognize. I get so I'm getting some. I'm getting some face love up, in, it, in the comments. Face up a guy that plays drums in it. Is it yeah, drums? Correct. Correct. So, yeah. I. I kind of. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm getting some fire emojis in the comments. Maybe some people can <laughs>
1: help us out with the uh, the cast. But yeah. nonetheless, it, I, I loved it because it really explored. He had a very um, verbally and psychologically abusive coach. or Mm -hmm. or band leader i guess you should probably say right and it it just it patterned itself after a sports movie and i couldn't tear my eyes away from it and it was it wasn't necessarily the healthiest message there is a lot of obsession and not making my coach mad or or trying to earn affection from someone who doesn't deserve it there's just lots of
0: themes to explore but yeah man i would recommend that one up and Mm -hmm. down to anybody right awesome okay good yeah yeah I, I think i'm kind of on to like i know i haven't seen it but i know what you're talking about uh, mm-hmm. i just i can kind of i kind of get the face someone playing the drums or something a, yep. a bit i just can't recall the actors in it so all right favorite and least favorite soccer team can't say your own personal team no. <laughs> this one out with ruffles fellas.
1: all right well it's it's an easy one and so i always have to have like a a caveat here because i'm a barca fan right and everyone's like oh of course you like barcelona and i get it um not i mean they're, they're not having the easiest time right now in, in some in some respects but here's the thing i, I visited spain and i was in high school and before that i mean I, I grew up in an area that didn't have a lot of local connections to a team you know i'm three hours from chicago fire Didn't really have a connection to them. St. Louis has their team now, but they didn't then. So for me, I was watching players. I was watching guys like Ronaldinho, uh, Ronaldo, you know, back in the day. Uh, David Beckham, you know, had the just the appeal to all across the world. Everyone knew who David Beckham was. So initially, I would watch Real Madrid because they're the Galacticos, and that's where Beckham went. And then I learned uh, about Figo, and then all the other players that were there. But when I visited the spain and i went to madrid and i went to then barcelona i fell in love with the culture there um just the city of barcelona i loved it and they had just signed Ronaldinho, which, which yeah. really helped a lot and then of course pep comes along and xavi and he to messi they do they do well so i i do love barca and i'm from there as a coach i fell in love with la masia and what what was it at least then their philosophy about developing players which i think there's a mm-hmm. lot to be said so i love them and on the other side of it then i i don't have a hatred for anybody again i'd be kind of fake as an American fan pretending to have grown up in that culture because I didn't. But, right. you know, if I will say there's maybe at least a team at Madrid that I didn't like back in the day It was when Mourinho coached Real Madrid and he, he was trying to break up the the Spanish kind of yeah. uh, flow in the national team. So right. watching the, the Pep and Mourinho battles, it was just so easy to hate that Real Madrid team.
0: Yeah. I mean it was pretty legendary to watch that rivalry though and mm-hmm. and when you really cuz most people a lot of people didn't know how far back they go even as players right uh-huh. themselves right so yeah so yeah it was it was phenomenal and there's yeah. there's something movies, about right. there's something about Mourinho though that I just <laughs> god I wish I wish I didn't like that guy so there's something about him that I just he's he's, he's just great and watching. he loves to be the villain and I don't mind yeah it. yeah exactly exactly so he's just mm-hmm. must watch TV must watch TV that's right all right. So, uh, this next one I always ask, just about always. So, Dirk Bennett is appointed the soccer czar in America. All right. You oversee all of soccer, all levels, everything. First thing you would change in soccer in America tomorrow. Oh, man. Yeah. I've, I've heard you ask this question before
1: on a couple of the podcasts I checked out, and it's a great one. Um, for me, it's there's, there's a good debate out there. I mean, you go on, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it and everyone's got the answers. Right. And and there's a, there's a problem with U S soccer every day. There's a problem and everyone's got a different answer. And I think for me, there there's stuff on both ends you could correct. And by both ends, I mean the youth game as well as maybe the, the top end, the professional system, the national team, what change, you know, helps on both ends. And this is the, I'm going to save this comment. I'm going to log off before everyone attacks, but it's uh, for me, I would add promotion and relegation. I just would. And I think there's a responsible way to do it. Um, And for those that don't know that it's talking about the professional divisions, you know, in England, for example, you finish in the the bottom three in the premier league and you get relegated to the the championship, the level below and the top ones go up. So there's some accountability there. Um, I think that that's a, that's fun. I mean, again, welcome to Rex and watch that show. And how do you not get on board? And this is like the, what, the fifth division of uh, the English soccer pyramid in, in Wales, particularly? And but how do you not care for it? And that those kinds of stories, it's harder to tell those stories in America, because there's no upward mobility for a lot of these clubs. And, and I've seen, again, how it affects the youth, you know, I've I've seen where, so that St. Louis City SC is a, it's a great, they had a great story as a new MLS team, um, I went to one of their matches, the stadium's beautiful, there's not a bad seat in the house, they allow like, Local food trucks to come in and work the food stalls. I mean, I think it's just great how they've done it. But the the part of it I didn't love is the fact that they already had a professional team in town and they had they've had different teams over the years. But, you know, um, the the team that was there was actually sort of an extension of of a club called St. Louis Scott Gallagher. Um, St. Louis FC. And so they, they considered like Scott Gallagher had a great youth system, still does. It's a youth club that's been around for a very long time and their first, well, they called it the first team. So their youth players had upward mobility and a pathway to then get into the the professional team that plays at their, their home field. Mm -hmm. I just thought that was a great organic way of doing it. And it was awesome. Um, and then, and the youth teams were amazing, uh, and just, they're using local players. And then MLS decides we're moving into town. Here's our new franchise. And guess what? Your club is dead. And, yeah. and on top of that, so the, the first team is dead Scott Gallagher is still around. It's an amazing club, um, developing players just as well as ever. But now even that MLS team who I spoke highly about also has their own youth team competing for players. And so right. what if that, that, that youth club, Scott Gallagher were to go away and then the MLS franchise decides like the uh, you know the Raiders of the A's. Oh, we're gonna go to Vegas next year. Sorry, thanks for the good times. And then what what does that leave behind? You know, it's right. the same thing you yeah. see if a, a Starbucks or McDonald's comes into town and drives out local business. Yeah. I see it similarly. So there there's incentive at the bottom and the top to perform, and I think that that affects everything all at once.
0: Well, what it leaves behind is it leaves it takes opportunities from more from more athletes to compete. Right to, to have the opportunity, right. To come up through that system, Mm -hmm. it leaves behind a lot of these athletes with no more opportunity. That's the unfortunate piece. Right. So, and, 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 but that's, that's what I do, I guess. Right, Right. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Next one, any game day as a coach, not as a player, game day superstitions or rituals. Oh man, I'm not very superstitious if I'm honest.
1: Um, yeah. So I, I mean, me and some of my other friends that are coaches, we, we have a group tech. So on, on game day, we're all wishing each other well and trying to, to break the tension, make each other laugh a little bit. So I'm always communicating with some of those guys and girls, but um, I think for me, I'm always listening to music and I, there's always a time, you know, a couple hours before kickoff where I just have to get away and, and yeah, drop X's and O's and make sure you have your subs, right. But just get away and, and mentally unplug a little bit because, you know, there's tension in games and you, you might be sat still. I'm not sat still very well. I have to get up and move on the sidelines and I'm working on that, but you know, you just feel exhausted after a game. You didn't even run. You didn't even kick a ball mentally, physically, spiritually exhausted. So getting away and unplugging, not thinking about soccer for 30 minutes is is something I really value.
0: Yeah. That was the one thing that I never realized, you know, back when I was at, at air force, right at at the air force Academy, I was coaching there and you know, the college level, Or, or even at semi-pro level in Europe, I just, but it was really, I really noticed it at the Air Force Academy and then going forward as I took on more head coaching opportunities was the amount of, how much coaching drains you, right? How exhausted you you are. It's And you didn't do anything overly physically demanding whatsoever, but uh, just you're absolutely exhausted. Yeah. You're exhausted, and yet your mind can't stop racing at the same time, right? After right. a match, after a match. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't sleep well on game nights before after. after. It's, it's <laughs> just I got to work on that, too. I know. I know. So most recent – we were talking about it a little bit, but most recent binge watch. Netflix prime video whatever YouTube something yeah. well you know off season I've been
1: watching a lot of TV that's probably not the greatest habit to get into but um, I love movies I love movies and shows uh for all mankind that's a show on uh, Apple Apple TV plus
0: is that um, any good is that any good
1: yeah I love it so I'm a big nerd anyone that knows me well knows I'm a big sci-fi nerd space nerd I mean gosh, that's just, that's just who I am. So that's one of those where, um, they got a new season and I was, I was binging the other seasons. It's yeah, it's about like, what if, what if Russia be just the moon and the space race continued? And I, I think it's just really cool. Those alternate history type of things, uh, to watch and imagine what if.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that the other day. Cause I was on, so I was on out, you know, I was on Apple, you know, Apple plus Apple TV the other day. Um, cause I was looking up, I was, th- telling a friend about the uh, the I don't know if you saw the series recently that was on Apple came out uh I don't know but uh less than a year ago I think the war the war for football did you see that I didn't know no it's it's on Apple TV it's talks about how the whole process of what led to the the creation and then that quick demise of the of the Super League in Europe okay uh, yeah you need, you need to watch that if you haven't you need yeah on Apple TV definitely definitely okay. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a hot that's a hot topic as well in the pro ranks. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think that U8 uh, is still always trying to to sneak, uh,
0: sneak one of those kind of initiatives in every one, every chance they get. So yeah, that's a good one. Good, good yeah. shout. Yeah, it's a good one. And I was in there watching. I was in there because I was trying to look something up on that, and I saw the uh, for all mankind. I said, man, is this this looks interesting? But yeah, recommends recommends. All right, next one. As we start wrapping up here, coach, a couple more for you. Okay. Three words. Right can be a little – it can sound as cheesy, corny as you want, but as long as it's genuine, that's all we ask. Mm-hmm. In three words or less, why do you coach? Oh, man. Why do I coach?
1: <laughs> that's a great question to sum it up. I think uh, relationships is one that springs to mind right away um, because I'll get into, I guess, after, but relationships, um, impacts, and teaching. And maybe those all do relate to each other. But for me, those relationships, like every day I get to, to talk to kids that are doing something they love, hopefully doing something they love, yeah. you know, and they may have the worst day outside of the field, but on the field, if you foster that kind of environment where they can come and just let loose, uh, you just see maybe the best parts of them. And I think that's just really special. Um, and then the impact you can have on someone's life. I mean, this is where, you know, my years as an assistant coach, just seeing, the, the, the positive and negative impact a coach can probably have, um, but especially the positive okay. one when kids are going through it, you know, there's just there's so much more out there that's more important than soccer. You know, something we said uh, after a tough loss, I think I got this from Ted Lasso, honestly, but you know, there's a lot worse things out there than losing a soccer game surrounded by these cool people, these teammates. Mm-hmm. That's so true, you know, and, and you deal with it as a head coach or an assistant coach where kids are bringing you problems that some you've dealt with and you can help them and some you've never heard of, never thought about, and you've got to help them find a solution or or just be there for them as as they maybe they grieve or they go through these hard moments in life. So that's, you play an important role, whether you expect to um, or not. And then just teaching. I come from a, a family of teachers. Um, you know, mom was a, a English teacher and then superintendent and then grandma was a first grade teacher. So it's in my blood and I, I just really enjoy, you know, working with kids. And, and it's funny because the younger the kid you work with, the more just one phrase, one turn of phrase or one thing that they get can flip a switch mentally and then how their mm-hmm. game can go up. Right. Um, the young kids are special that way.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's so important too, because teaching as a coach in the school, as an educator as well, I've always made that a point in terms of communicating, collaborating with fellow teachers on behalf of coaches, that coaching, coaching is teaching, teaching is coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're on the field, because that's a phenomenal thing in a classroom, just like in a classroom on the field, that's a special thing. I think that's the thing that we live for as coaches. When you say one, maybe one phrase, a couple of series of words, and you see that that switch that you mm-hmm. talked about flipped in a player, right? Those, all those little you know, those lights come on uh, mm-hmm. over their heads. And yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. It makes it all worth it.
1: That, yeah. that Those moments, and I can remember some of those in my career. It's like, those are the moments that make all the
0: grind or all the struggle just instantly worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. 100% agree. All right. Final one, coach. So all your years of coaching, right? All the things that you've learned, how you've developed as a coach. Um, if the coach, Dirk Bennett, could go back and coach the player, Dirk Bennett. Okay. Right? Back in the day. How would mm-hmm. how would you approach you and, and coach you? Oh man. Me specifically. Gosh, there's a lot to impact there. I had a lot to
1: <laughs> I had a lot of lessons I should have learned. No, I think um, you know, there, there's myself as a player. I'm like, oh, I would have worked on this and this and this and this. And that's that's easy to talk about because yeah. there, there's there's a reason I'm not still playing, um, and not being a professional soccer player, but we don't need to get into that. I think for me, you know, I was a player that you know, I wasn't quite mature enough to, to listen to and to learn some of the lessons I was being taught by some really good coaches and coaches that I remember being being a youth and turning my nose up um, and think oh, he doesn't he or she doesn't know what they're talking about. And I know better. And I was a no I was a know it all. That was definitely my problem um, and something I still work against to this day. But for me, there are some coaches out there that maybe didn't even have the soccer background that I'm fortunate enough to have myself now. That were just but trying to teach life lessons, you know, and I I wasn't I couldn't get out of my own way to see that until later on in life. Yeah. Um, so that that's one thing that I, I wish I had, I guess, been made more clear to me, but that was also on me. For me though, it, I think just being the way coaching has evolved nowadays, and this actually is is um is a compliment to some of the coaching courses and schools out there is you know, the today's player, the millennial or the X, you know, I guess I'm a millennial, the Gen X, the the Gen Y, Z, there we go. Gen Z, that's who we're coaching these days. They want to be explained why they want to buy in. They want to not just do it because I said so do because it makes sense. And I believe in it. Now there's some back and forth there. There's always a matter of following orders, as you would know, right. In your military time. But I I think the kids these days, the, the benefit of if you take the time, to make them believe in what you're preaching, what you're saying, what you're teaching, the product on the field, if they buy in, they really buy in and they really go through a wall for you. And uh, as a coach, you you can't always just expect it's my way or the highway in all instances anymore. And for me as a player back then, I I was one of those that I never felt like I didn't try um, on the field. I, I was definitely a kid that worked their butt off but man, I would work that much harder if you took the time to help me understand why we're doing it. So mm-hmm. I, as a coach, or sorry, as a player, I didn't always get all the answers that I that I wanted. And that's part mm-hmm. of just, that's just life. Um, but as a coach now, I'm trying to make sure I don't forget and check for understanding.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a great point. And I think that one of the things, you know, from my perspective as a coach, I've kind of taken, I've added a layer to that because you talked about the why, right? Explaining the why they want to know the why, but what I've kind of found myself probably in the last, I don't know, maybe two, three years, what I found myself adding is in addition to the why, but the how, meaning why do you need to know this, but how are you going to apply this, right? The application piece, how, how you know, why you need to know, it, but how are you going to apply it in, in a given situation, in a game, right? And just something to add to your toolkit, I think. Uh, so this way, Definitely. and- and they have to hear it probably a couple of hundred times for it to sink in. And then they do it without without thinking it. Right. It's just yeah. it's just memory. It's just, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. Great. Coaching is an art and a science, my friend. That's that's it right there. It is. It is. Yeah. Well said. He is Dirk Bennett, the head women's soccer coach of the Eastern Eastern Illinois University Panthers. Coach, this has been absolutely fabulous. I have loved having you on here. It's so great to see you again as well. Uh, before we leave, as we start wrapping up here, as is our custom, we kind of wrap up here in stoppage time and we let uh, let our guests say their final thoughts, shout outs, thank yous, whatever's on their mind as it relates to the game. The floor is yours, Coach. Oh, man. Stoppage time. I love that.
1: Um, no, I think just it's funny to, to reminisce. Even you and myself, you know, we took a coaching course together and that's how we started. to So we met each other. Um, but I think for me, that turns to like the power of the Internet. And social media and this again, I growing up with it a little bit, but how it's transformed and and I just really there's a lot of ups and downs with that. I think that it's a dangerous place for some people and in some circumstances. But I really I've really enjoyed just following and and keeping up with people like yourself and other coaches out there. Mm -hmm. For me, like like Twitter or X now, that was the the platform that I've kept up with soccer and and just in general the the coaching trends and whether it's tactics or clips of player motivation, for me it's just it's a great I don't know, melting pot of ideas. And that really is what I like to think that social media was intended for is to to bring people together for good discussion and yes, keeping up with, with what family members are doing on Facebook. That's, that's where grandma keeps up with me, you know, but for, for, for that, it's like, if we hadn't, you know, if we didn't have that, you and I might not be sitting here talking today still it might've been a a quick exchange and a coaching course and that's it. So for me, I just really value that and, and staying connected with people in that way. And, you know, always being a student of the game, uh, and that allows me to, to keep doing that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, it is pretty amazing and sock or social media, I should say, can be a very powerful and transformational tool. You know, you can go, it's just a matter of what route do you want to take, right? The positive one or the negative one, uh, mm-hmm. but it's still free will, the choice is ours, right? So, and for our student athletes listening, definitely have to be mindful of that, no doubt. That's right. Okay. So, Well said. Awesome. Uh, And my final thoughts, uh, I'm going to get into this more tomorrow with our upcoming episode of Inside Texas High School Soccer, our very first episode, our preview show of season four. So I'll kind of share more final thoughts on, on just, that tomorrow so my final thoughts for today is just uh happy thanksgiving to everybody safe travels i know a lot of people this is a busy travel time uh safe travels recharge those batteries uh make sure you're still spending some time on the ball as well and uh we will definitely see you all very soon so for all our listeners all of you who are high school coaches that we got to interact with all coaches that we got to interact with and t- and Thank you so much. You really are the reason why we do it. We always say that because it's important that we remember our mission and you are the reason why we do it. We're grateful for you and you know what to do. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the Fifty Fifty Podcast, powered by National Scouting Report. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50-50pod, on Instagram at 50-50podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.